Last week we began a new series from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. I said to you then that our study would be interrupted as we go along, and today it is one of those times when we will interrupt that study. Each year at this time, we pause to recognize and honor our graduates. And you should be commended. There is so much you have learned during these years, reading, writing, spelling, math, science, dating, (laughs) learning how to get money from mom and dad and so forth. And honestly, some of you probably been more successful than others. But as we pause today to recognize you and to honor you, As you go forward into the future, you face some uncertain times. I saw in the newspaper this morning, though I have not had the opportunity to read all of the article, that the majority of South Carolinians do not believe the American dream is going to be theirs. There is a tremendous amount of uncertainty as you go forth. There is economic uncertainty. I don't know that anyone knows what the future holds as far as the economy is concerned. I've talked with a number of people, and it seems to me that a common theme I hear from all of them is because we are not willing to deal with the debt in our country that there is going to be great inflation ahead. Now, you probably are not aware as to what that means, but your parents know. It means that the money you have is devalued. It simply is not worth as much. So I don't know how much money it's going to take for you to be successful in the days that are before you. I remember when I was in Russia, it was after the fall of the Soviet Union and inflation was a problem. I went to McDonald's to buy a hamburger and Coke and paid 10,000 rubles for a hamburger and Coke. I don't know how much it is today. When I was in Turkey, they were also having a problem with inflation, so I went over to the currency exchange and asked the question, how much would it cost for me to become a millionaire? And they said $3. And they gave me 500,000 lira, 500,000 lira. I know this is impressive. 100,000 lira and then 500 lira I got for $3. So the way I figure it, I am a member of the one percenters we've been hearing so much about, (laughs) at least in Turkey. So there's some uncertainty as, as you are going forth anticipating what you're going to do, how you're going to make a living, all of those things. There is economic uncertainty. There is religious uncertainty as you go forth. Our country was built on the Judeo-Christian ethic, but today that is being abandoned. Now, what are we going to be in the days ahead? There is uncertainty. Your life will not be as secure as was mine and the lives of your parents as you go forth. That is what my generation has left you, and I'm sorry for it, because you are not receiving what I received. But my question to you, is what are you going to leave for the generation that follows you? Just as we left you what we have left you, what will you leave to those who come after you? And that will be determined by the decisions that you make. Will you leave to those who follow after you 
uh, Christian nation or a nation that is committed to Christ and the Judeo-Christian ethic, will you leave that? Well, it will be determined by the decisions that you make. I have been hearing a great deal from various forums discuss the legalization of drugs in our society today. Is that what you're going to leave? You will determine that by the decisions that you make. Are you going to live a life and and leave for those who follow you a legacy of purity and morality? The decisions that you make are going to determine that. Just as the decisions my generation made determine what we left you. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning in verse number 1. I was reading this passage of Scripture when I was on vacation and uh, was so impressed by it that I wrote a sermon there. And now I want to share it with you today. 2 Chronicles 34, verse number 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram, the carved images, and the molten images. And they tore down the altars of the Baals in his presence and the incense altars that were high above them, he chopped down. Also the ashram, the carved images, and the molten images he broke in pieces and ground to powder and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Then he burned the bones of the priest on their altars and purged Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, from Simeon, even as far as Naphtali and their surrounding ruins, he also tore down the altars and beat the ashram and the carved images into powder and chopped down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem." When one is a young person, the decisions you make are very important. I I think sometimes you don't realize the importance of the decisions that you make in youth, but they are extremely important. Now then, as we look at Josiah, the focus of our text today, he was eight years old when he became king. You'll notice there in verse number one, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So he was eight years old when he became king. Now most of you young people have grown up in homes that were Christian, that were moral, that were pure. That was not so for Josiah. Josiah did not grow up in a godly home. His grandfather Manasseh was not a godly man. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 33, 6, and he made his sons pass through the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. And he practiced witchcraft, used divination, practiced sorcery, and dealt with mediums and spiritists. Matthew Henry wrote, he ruined the established religion, unraveled his father's glorious reformation, profaned the house of God with his idolatry, dedicated his children to Moloch and made the devil's lying oracles his guides and his counselors. So when we are talking about this eight-year-old king, his grandfather was not a godly man. 
His father was not a godly man. Ammon served idols. It says in chapter 33, verse number 22, he did evil in the sight of the Lord as Manasseh his father had done. And Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made, and he served them. So the son then of Manasseh, the father of Josiah, the Bible says that he was a man of idolatry. And then you'll notice in the next verse, moreover, he did not humble himself before the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. Understand that there came a time in Manasseh's life when he began to understand he was going in the right direction. So there was a time of repentance with Manasseh, not with Ammon, the father of Josiah. But Ammon multiplied guilt. He outdid his father when it came to sinning. So whenever we look at Manasseh, we see that he was a man of idolatry. We look at the son of Manasseh, the father of Josiah. He also was committed to idolatry and he was martyred. In the next verse, in verse 24, finally his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his own house. Again, Henry said if he hoped to repent when he was old, he was wretchedly disappointed for he was cut off when he was young. He rebelled against God and his own servants rebelled against him. Here's the point that I'm making. Bad heritage is not required for you to follow. In Ezekiel chapter 18, there is a story that is told about a bad man who had a good son and a good man who had a bad son. And the point of that text is that everyone decides for himself or herself how they are going to live for their life, live their lives. That is a decision that you made. Josiah made a decision. His grandfather was ungodly. His father was ungodly. But Josiah made a very different decision. You'll notice in verse number two, it says, and he did right in the sight of the Lord. He did right with God. It continues. And walked in the ways of his father David and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Do you see what he did? His grandfather was ungodly. His father was ungodly. So he patterned his life after David, who was a man after God's own heart. David had sin in his life. David was a disappointment. Yes, all that's true. But David was a man who loved God. And that is the person after whom Josiah patterned his life. You see, young people, we have to make decisions. We have to make choices about our lives and how we're going to live them. And we cannot simply stand back and say, well, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Or I did not have Christian mentors in my family. We all make decisions as to how we're going to live our lives. Joshua stood before the people of Israel in Joshua 24, 15 and said, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, you have to make a decision as to who you will serve. That is a decision that every person has to make for themselves. Moses 
made the decision that he would forego the pleasures of Egypt that he might, might follow the people of God and follow after God. That was a decision that he made. And then we see Josiah at 16 years old in verse number 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, that would make him 16, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the, the God of his father, the father David. Now, when it says in verse number 2 that he did right concerning the Lord, that probably is the result of having godly mentors or handlers in his life because he was eight years old. In verse number 3, when it says that he chose to seek the Lord, that was a decision that he made at the age of 16. One commentator said, It is the duty and interest of young people, as soon as they come to years of understanding, to begin to seek God. So that was Josiah. Josiah, at the age of 16, made the decision, he made a commitment that I am going to spend my life seeking the Lord. Now, his grandfather was ungodly. His father was ungodly. He said, but I am going to seek the Lord. You know what the Bible promises? If you seek him, you will find him. That is what the scripture says in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 15, 2. If you seek him, he will let you find him. The Bible says in Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me. And those who diligently seek me will find me. In the New Testament, Luke eleven ten, he who seeks finds. What I want you to understand, youth is a time of decision. You have been making decisions. You are going to make decisions. And those decisions that you make are important because they determine the actions of your life. All right? Decisions are important because they determine actions. We act on what we decide. There came a time when I decided that I was going to marry Linda. And then I began to act in a way that would attract her. It worked. But the point I want you to understand is that there is a decision and then there are actions that follow. And you see that with Josiah. Josiah made a decision. What was his decision? I think I'm going to quit. <laughs> what did he decide? He was going to seek the Lord, right? At 16 years old, he said, I am going to seek the Lord. That was a decision that he made. Then he acted on the decision that he made. He removed the idols in verse number 3b. In the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram, the carved images, and the molten images. You know what's interesting to me about that? That was a prophecy that had been made. It was the fulfillment of a prophecy. Jeroboam was the king of Israel. The kingdom had been divided at that time. So Jeroboam did not want the people to go to Jerusalem to worship. So he constructed an altar and made two golden calves and said to the people, you don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship. You worship these calves. These golden calves are now going to be your gods. After he did that, the prophet of God, the man of God came and condemned the idolatry. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 13 verses 1 and 2, 
Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. While Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense, and he cried, the man of God, and he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, Oh, altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you and human bones will be burned on you. And at the age of 20, Josiah fulfilled that prophecy. That was a prophecy that was back there in 1 Kings. At the age of 20, he fulfilled the prophecy. He also removed the false priest, which was a part of the prophecy. The prophecy said that he would sacrifice the priest of the high places. That was fulfilled, verse number 5. Then he burned the bones of the priest on their altars and purged Judah and Jerusalem. You see, your decisions are important because they are followed by actions. The decisions that you make are important because actions follow them. We see that with Josiah. Josiah made a decision. He was going to seek the Lord. And as a result of seeking the Lord, the Bible says that he destroyed the idols and he removed the false prophets. Decisions determine actions and actions are consequential. Look at verse number 8. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house. Now at this time he's 26 years old. So Josiah became the king when he was eight. When he was 16, he decided that he was going to seek the Lord. When he was 20, he tore down the altars. He removed the false priests. And when he was 26, he began to restore the nation. This is the... Most of the major changes that are made within a nation within a church are made by young people. Now you see that in the Middle East and what is happening in the Middle East as nations are changing there and that is being largely led by young people. That's exactly what you see with Josiah concerning his nation of Israel. Now look at verse number 6 of our text. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, even as far as Naphtali, in their surrounding ruins, he also tore down the altars, beat the ashram and the carved images into powder, and chopped down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel, and then he returned to Jerusalem. Matthew Henry said his zeal carried him out to do this not only in Judah and Jerusalem, but in the cities of Israel too. Now the Bible says that he begins now to restore the nation and in verse number 8 it says that he repaired the temple. Now the temple had been neglected by his father and by his grandfather the things of God had been neglected by them as they went into idolatry, but the Bible says that Josiah came and repaired the temple. Because he understood that the need was a spiritual need. We have a tendency always to look around at the ills of our country and 
say that we have economic problems or we have this problem or we have that problem. Folks, I believe within my heart that our problem is a spiritual problem. I mean, it affects us economically. It affects us in all of these ways. But our problem is a spiritual problem. And that was the thing that Josiah recognized. So when he begins to restore the nation, the thing that he did was to rebuild the temple. And he involved the people in it in verse number 9. And they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, delivered the money which was brought into the house of God, which the Levites, the doorkeepers, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnant of Israel, from all Judah and Benjamin, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He led the people to join in the effort. He was a leader. I see a bumper sticker. It irritates me sometimes. It's not about anything, but it just irritates me when I see it. It says that if the, if the people lead, the leaders will follow. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Maybe I'm missing something, but if the people lead, then they are the leaders. And the leaders follow, then they are the followers. You see, as I look at Josiah, he was willing to be a leader. He was willing to pay the price. He was willing to get out front. And as a result of that, not only did he seek the Lord, but then he began to lead the people. He got in front of them and began to lead them now. Sometimes I talk with people and, and there's a lot of discouragement. This is, this is really true. This, there's a lot of discouragement concerning our country. You know why I am encouraged? And I've said this to, uh, to a number of people. Because of you. I really and truly do have a lot of faith and hope in young people. Because I, I, I see a commitment in you that I never had when I was your age. I believe that there is a a seriousness about young people today. I believe there is a a commitment in young people today that was not true when I was growing up. And maybe that's the reason that we made such a mess of things. And, And when I look at our country, I don't despair because of young people. And I believe that you can make a difference. Christianity in America is declining today. It is declining today. But you can restore that. Because God has always used young people. Most every revival, great revival, has come through young people. One of my favorite stories is the story of the Great Welch Revival. You may or may not be familiar with that, but it was a sweeping revival that took place. And there was a youth rally. Some young people had gotten together and they were sharing their testimonies. And in that time of sharing of testimonies, there was one girl who got up and simply said, Oh, I do love Jesus. I do love Jesus. I do love Jesus. And out of that came the revival, the great Welsh revival that swept across that land. Are we going to be a a nation that is committed to Christ? I think we can, but you will decide that. Will you restore that? Are we going to be a nation of morals, of purity? I'm sometimes embarrassed by the immorality that is within our country today, it's hard to watch television with, with people today or do anything else it's, they're because there is so much immorality. But I am grateful for some of our young people and young people across this nation who are committed to the Lord Jesus and they're committed to purity and they're committed to morality. And they are setting that example. America has become a very coarse society. And you can call us back to civility. You know, we don't. We don't have to scream at each other all the time. We can listen. But we don't have much listening today. Everybody just yells at the other side. 
you can bring us back to some civility. Josiah was God's instrument to lead revival. There was a warning that I think he was aware of in verse number 25 of chapter 34. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and it shall not be quenched. Sin within a nation is serious. It really is serious. And God has said, I will pour out my wrath on their idolatry. God will not always do nothing concerning our sin. And we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, and there are many other examples in there. Because of their sin, the judgment of God came, the wrath of God came. And he said, and my, my wrath will not be quenched. Matthew Henry said, those that forsake God bring evil upon themselves and kindle a fire which shall not be quenched. The point is that if they did not turn to God, they would suffer God's wrath. And I believe that with our country. If we do not have a revival, if we do not turn back to God, then we're going to suffer the judgment of God and, and maybe already partially now. There's a promise, and I don't want you to miss the promise in verse number 27. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants. And because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes, wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. So your eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring on this place and on its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. You see, there is hope for those who seek the Lord. But did you notice the characteristics of Josiah that the Lord pointed at? He said, your heart is tender. That's one of the things that I love about young people is that your heart still is, is pretty tender. Now, I would, I would caution you that our hearts are hardened through disobedience. And when we disobey the Lord, when God speaks to our hearts and we are disobedient to the Lord, it hardens our hearts according to the book of Hebrews. But... As long as you're obedient to the Lord, then you have a tender heart. And that's what God said, you, you have a tender heart. And he said, you're humble. And revival only comes to humble people. Whenever we're filled with ourselves, we can't have revival. We can't have the move of God because we're filled with ourselves. So he said, humble. And God says, and I heard your prayer, which is what the Bible says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That was the promise of God. He said, you have a tender heart. You're humble. And I've heard your prayer. Now there was a commitment that was made in verse number 33. Josiah removed all the abominations from all the lands according to the sons of Israel, made all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God throughout his life. They did not turn from following the Lord God of their fathers. Here's the thing. Josiah was sincere in his commitment to the Lord. The people were not. And unfortunately, when he was no longer king, they returned to idolatry. So what does this story say to graduates today? I believe when there is a time of great need or great danger... The Lord always places exceptional people there. And I think that's what Mordecai was saying to Esther when he said, Who knows whether you have not attained royalty 
for such a time as this. And when I look at Josiah, it was a dangerous time in the history of Israel. His grandfather Manasseh, his father Ammon, had led into idolatry. It was a dangerous time. And God had Josiah, an eight-year-old boy, that he placed on the throne at that time. These are challenging times for our country. I could not over, overly state that to you. These are challenging times. And God has you here at this time. He has you here. The, time, the times are challenging. And if things are going to change, then it is going to take young people who are really committed. And God has you here. When I look at Josiah, I see a young man who led his people back to God. And I really believe that young people today can lead us back to God. But you are going to have to be committed. You're going to have to really be committed because it will not be easy. But our future as a nation is dependent upon you. And what will you leave to the generation that comes after you? It will depend upon your commitment. Our gracious Father and God, I pray again for these young people. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would instill a passion, a burden within them, a maturity that is beyond their age, beyond their experience, a commitment that might lead our nation to revival and to you. Father, I pray today that there might be a commitment on their part to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In just a minute, we're going to stand, extend an invitation. The choir will sing, if you are here and you never trusted Christ, I pray that you might today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors open to you. We'd love to have you. If you want to just come today, listen to me. If you want to come today and just kneel here and say, God, today I'm driving in a stake. I'm going to commit my life to you. I'm going to commit to making a difference. I want you to feel free to do that. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing. You come. I'll greet you as you do.